Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Yeah. <laughs> Recorded live. Welcome to 5-Minute Major. Me, Nick, in New York. With me, as always. Uh, actually, no. Nick, Nick, Nick cannot make it tonight. So, uh, unfortunately, you have to deal with me. Uh, this is Mike Berg. And uh, with me, uh, in, in their shorthanded fashion as well, are Double. Doubles, how are you doing this evening? Hello, hello, hello. How, 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 you, how are your computer skills tonight? Uh, they're uh, pretty primitive on a normal basis, but my uh, <laughs> hamster that uh, powers my Wi-Fi is not uh, really running the wheel very quickly tonight. So I think you leveled up. Do the best we Good can. Job. <laughs> and that, that was Jared Mason. Jared, uh, uh, condolences on your anniversary. Oh, thank you very much. I mean, thank you very much. <laughs> Mike, I was impressed with your caveman version of Nick's uh, Nick's opening, his signature move. Well, thank you. Good. I, you know, we, we do try sometimes. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there is one team in the NHL uh, who apparently has not been trying for the last two nights uh, that they have played. The Minnesota Wild have looked uh, pretty pretty horrible against the Kings, and um, they pretended to try against the Ducks. But, uh, Jared, uh, what, you know, I, I assume you, you actually sat through both those, uh, um, I, I don't know if we can call them games, but uh, you sat through both of them, <laughs> and what, what was your take on them? Uh, there wasn't there wasn't much there that I saw in the LA game. It was it was there was one player that really kind of showed up, and um, whether you believe it or not, that player was that was Darcy Kemper. He, it seemed to be to me um, it seemed to be all LA, um, no skaters on the Minnesota side, and and then Kemper repeatedly bailing them out. Um, his, you know, great effort was it was enough for the single point in the uh, in the overtime, the three on three overtime, our first view of it, I believe. Um, so that's, I guess, the one positive. Uh, you got to imagine though, if if Darcy Kemper was enough to get one point, had I don't know three of the uh, the staters uh, put together a solid game, maybe that would have been the difference to to uh, continue the the Kings uh, score. Or, winless streak um, at the beginning of their season, but uh, unfortunately uh, there was a, that one kind of deep pinch, I believe it was, and Vanek coasted to the to the bench, I believe, and that allowed numbers to get back for the Kings, and ultimately, after a broken play, uh, Kopitar was able to put it home, so not, uh, it wasn't what you wanted to see. Um, it allowed, you know, one team, and I think we're going to talk about this more, it allowed uh, one team that had been winless to bounce back into their winning ways. Uh, not something you want to see the Wild allow, but, man, it's become an M.O. over the years, it seems. Oh, agreed. Um, doubles, were were you able to actually, um, or did you just actively avoid watching either of the weekend games? Uh, no, I caught uh, Friday night, and I actually watched the overtime session um, several times over again. 
boy, that's a that's going to be an interesting interesting concept that three on three. Um, and I think that was a great example of both good Dumba and bad Dumba um, just flying all over the ice, and uh, he, he just he ended up just getting caught on too long of a shift. Um, the long line change is obviously going to be a huge thing in uh, the overtime, but as May said, Kemper stole the wild point, so that's all right on the road. But uh, Sunday night, I don't know, second second night in a row that uh, they've ended up being a team's first win, and uh, we really got to hope that doesn't happen again the next time the wild play which would be Thursday night at home against the 0-7 Columbus Blue Jackets. It will be interesting to see. uh, Speculation was running rampant in the days leading up to today's game. It will really be interesting to see if uh, one of our own uh, Plymouth's Todd Richards is able to (laughs) survive and uh, see if he'll be behind the bench on Thursday in St. Paul's. I admit there's there's a slight asshole in me that, that hopes he is out of a job by then. Um, but the pragmatic side of me kind of thinks, well, maybe maybe they'll give him a shot because, I mean, I, I'd have to look it up, but it seems like they do they always do a really good job of, the Blue Jackets do, of beating the Wild. And, and I think, you know, Todd Richards just has a chubby for beating, them, beating Minnesota at this point in his career. Um, they swept our two-game series. The Blue Jackets won both games last year against the Wild, so there you go. Yeah, and, and I think it was the year before. I think we beat the Blue Jackets in what was it, like the last game of the season to put ourselves it, in yeah. the playoffs. So yeah, it's he he seems to have our number for whatever reason. Um, and and what about the Ducks? I mean, they that team that fucking team. They you know <laughs> we play better than them and they fucking win. Um, <laughs> Pardon my uh, f bombs there, um, but it's, it's just that's it, just what that team does, and you know it, it was so encouraging to see um, that Zucker Nino Koivu line. I mean, they were everywhere. It seemed that night, um, and they're just doing everything. Uh, and and they, you know, it's it's that old it's the old trope with the Wild. I mean, they, they could walk into a women's prison with a fistful of pardons, and they can't can't score. Um, you know, I, I, Mason, you, you, you saw the game. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is, there's a whole lot of opportunity to, you know, execute a killer instinct, um, but, it, you know, the team just couldn't do it. And, you know, talk about MOs, that's a, that seems to be another one to me, that the team just can't kick a team when it's down. Um, I'm writing a little bit about it, but they, they I kind of did that in the home opener against Colorado, but I believe that was more of a fault on Colorado for giving up a four unanswered goals and whatever it was, five minutes. But um, this team just can't take a team that's down and, and, and curb stomp them when they need to um, for their own sake. It's like they feel bad for them or something, not to you know get ridiculous about it, but um, they weren't able to do that to, against L.A. They weren't able to do that against Anaheim when they certainly outplayed Anaheim, um, you know, compared to, compared to the L.A. game where they just got schooled except for Kemper. Um, and now mm-hmm. there's there's no team that's lower than the CBJs, and they've got to be able to, you know, it, 
you know, prove it. You know, prove that CBJ are are that much worse than than the Wild, and you know, put them out of our misery. And and so doubles. I'm just curious from your perspective um, as a referee. Um, you know, I'm sure you know going into a game. You know, well this this team's pretty good. This team's not so good. This team's average. Have, I mean, have you seen that from your perspective where? You know, a team just doesn't seem to have that killer instinct, that that willingness just to just to kick someone when they're down. Um, I mean, have 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 you seen that from your perspective uh, as a ref on the ice? Yeah, I've seen that. But then, probably something that's a little more prevalent would be a case where a really good team goes up against a team that's been struggling a little bit, and just the general attitude of each team you know, kind of depending on how good their coaching staff is, that can be pretty, um, it can be pretty apparent, um, you know, to us on the ice, you know, which team is going along well and which team is struggling, um, you know. And then, you know, invariably you can get comments from the from the team that's struggling about, oh, you know, why do those guys always get the calls? And, you know, I... A lot of times I choose not to answer that honestly, but if I ever did, it would kind of be along the lines of, well, they get the calls because they move their feet, they're in the right spot, and they're a pretty good team. So it it, it all is kind of interrelated. But I tell you, the Blue Jackets coming in on Thursday night, 0-7, that scares the crap out of me. Uh, this interesting side note that I picked up today the Blue Jackets are the now, I believe, the fourth team in NHL history, either the fourth or fifth team in NHL history, to start out 0-7 or worse, um, the most recent being the 1997-98 version of the Chicago Blackhawks, <laughs> whose head coach was uh, former North Star defenseman Craig Hartsburg, who happens to be an assistant coach on the current uh, version of the <laughs> Columbus Blue Jackets. So uh, I, I, I'm not sure who should be more on the hot seat, uh, our guy uh, Richards or uh, Artsy. But, uh, Let's get them both fired. Fuck them. <laughs> um, that, that very well may be the case. Uh, in fact, I don't know if they're even – I don't know if they'll even allow them on the charter flight. Wow. <laughs> so you're saying uh, the Blue Jackets might just leave uh, Todd here. You're from Minnesota. You can stay. Um, will will anybody you... take you in? <laughs> I don't know, man. He, he put us through, what was it, three years of pretty bad wild hockey in our short history. Um, I wonder if anybody would take him in. Well, where, where, um, Todd really, where Todd really went wrong here is, now, he, was he the second coach after Lemaire? He was, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Where Todd really went wrong here is after Lemaire. Lemaire? <laughs> well, <laughs> that that really says it all. But uh, <laughs> to, to dig a little bit deeper than that, uh, he came in after Lemaire, and it was like one of the first press conferences. He said, "Oh, we're going to play. Uh, you know, we're going to play more wide open, up and down hockey." And you know we're going to bring a more exciting brand of hockey to to the to the state of hockey, and it's like well, geez, Todd, uh, 
do you think there's a reason that Lemaire played the trap and you know, <laughs> didn't uh, didn't go full on house hockey? Maybe going you know full on wheel and deal isn't the best strategy when you've got you know at the at at best when you're rolling out two number three lines and two number four lines as uh, as your four lines. Maybe I don't know. Maybe wide open firehouse hockey isn't uh, really the greatest demo to throw at him there. The worst and, thing he did for us is introduce the the inappropriate use of compete, as in he's got good compete. I will never forgive him for that, and <laughs> if for no other reason, I hope he remains the coach over the next two days, uh, you know, takes the bench on Thursday night, I hope we beat them, even if it's in, you know, overtime or, or God forbid, a shootout. And then I hope he gets fired for it. Am I? Is that too wrong? Is that too wrong? Too, too I would hard? expect nothing less than for you to call for somebody's head for such a such a blatant case of murder, grammatical murder. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I guess my take on this. Um, you know, to, 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 to back the train up just a whisker about the, the way the Wilds are prepared for the, a team like the Kings or the Ducks who are down. Um, yeah, I, I think that there's certainly a case to be made that part of this could could be laid at the feet of, of Mike Yo and his coaching staff for not preparing the team. I think it's a matter of maturity. I think this team has shown a level of maturity this year that's been impressive. The fact that they're able to score goals in bunches, the fact that they've, they've been able to answer on situations. I, I think that that helps the fact that, you know, they had, they're really flying, but um, at the same time, you know, like I said, it's, it's just that killer instinct to, to really go after someone. Now, interestingly enough, one of the worst goalies in the league, and, and I was researching this today, one of the worst goalies in the league is uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. Uh, maybe the Blue Jackets might be looking for a goalie. Uh, Doubles, do you know of any goalies that might be available? Hmm. <laughs> as far as I know, Calgary has three goalies on their roster. Who would be dumb enough to do that? <laughs> Anybody else? Well, well, news came out of Toronto that Nick Baxter might be willing to uh, go somewhere else. Um, interestingly enough, Calgary has two of the three worst goalies in the league as well, um, or two of the worst five, I should say, along with Bobrovsky. Uh, and I can't remember the other bad ones, but uh, it, it's interesting. Um, in, so, in, the, uh, in the interest of you cannot make this up, uh, the Capitals are playing the Calgary Flames as we are recording this edition of the Five Minute Major Live, and Washington, Washington has just scored to make it three to one. Uh, Ramo beaten by none other than Nicholas Backstrom. <laughs> <laughs> um, so can you I, play goal? Yeah, I tell you <laughs> what, by, by this Backstrom. Nicholas Backstrom doesn't look so bad to me. <laughs> so doubles. I, I understand that this this raised your hackles a little bit that that this news was coming out that Backstrom was we, willing to be traded. Uh, it does. Anybody that pays attention to uh, best beat writer in the NHL business, Michael Russo, knows this is a non-story. Um, the fact that Yehu out of Toronto uh, gives it some credence all of a sudden apparently makes it a story in uh, in the eyes of the hockey world. But this is this has been the story ever since training camp opened and Backstrom came in healthy. 
he's been willing to go somewhere um, in the interest of giving playing time. So this is, to me, this is a non-story, and I'm so sick of talking about Backstrom, I can vomit. Is there someone you would rather talk about? Uh, well, <laughs> funny you should ask. I'm going to go on a little bit of a mini rant here. Wow. Um, Let me sit down. The Wild's got to get more out of Doobie. Um, obviously, it's only been four games, small sample size, blah, blah, blah. Lowered above the uh, caps to squirt again. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Was it the finish, Nick, Nick Spectrum, this time? Uh, actually, it was... Uh, T.J. Oshi, mm. Washington, uh, Washington native uh, via War Road, Minnesota. But uh, <laughs> the Wild's got to get more out of Doobie. Um, you know, he's played four games. He has not looked great in any of the games. Um, I was a little confused about how everybody gave him so much praise after the St. Louis game. I didn't think he was great in that game. Um. You know, he made all the saves that he needed to in the third to to hang on to the three to two win, but I didn't Which see he was where supposed to do anyway. Yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't see where he was many great shakes that night. But uh, the rant that I'm going to go on is Doobie was so good last year. He reached a point, and just as I say that, Hiller is putting his gear on, and Ramo <laughs> is uh, heading to the bench in Calgary. Uh, Doobie was so good last year that he reached a point where, I mean, even probably in late February, everybody could kind of see the writing on the wall was that this guy has has saved the season for the Wild. Um, And personally speaking, it just got to a point where even if he, you know, on the rare occasions he did let a softy in, I couldn't even be critical of him because I would always come back to, well, if it wasn't for this guy, you know, it's hard to pick on this guy because if it wasn't for him, uh, we'd be trying to devise our own little creative ways for Fletcher to jump into the McEichel sweepstakes. As it is, he saved the season. You know, he's the one guy that stepped up and put him in the playoffs, so how the hell are you going to be critical of that guy? That said, uh, that was last season. This is this season. Shiny new contract. Uh, the ends are meeting quite nicely, uh, presumably in the uh, Dubik, Dubnik household every two weeks. And it, he's got to be better. It's, uh, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to let him sit back and rest on last season's laurels. That was last season. He's got to pick it up. Um, hoping to see a lot better play out of him. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more, Dubs. Um, you know, he had his couple preseason games. He's had four regular season games to kind of get back into the swing of things and um, no excuses anymore. I mean, you know, you might even argue that uh, Kemper has outplayed him so far this season with uh, the the solid game that he turned in uh, in L.A. So, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Time to Time to earn that new contract. And not not to not to be an apologist, but well, I'm going to be an apologist. But I'm You're... not to be contrary. But fuck you guys, I'm going to be contrary. <laughs> um, how much of this 
you know, Doobie says he's the kind of guy who needs to have a lot of ice time to really get into his groove. I mean, how much do you, how much do you, do you think that this is the new normal for him? Or do you think that he's the kind of, do you believe the press when um, he says that he needs to play a lot? I mean, do you believe, you know, the, the, the Dubnik apologists who are going to say, come out of the woodwork and they're going to say, uh, well, you know, he, he just needs to, to find his groove and, and he'll get better. He, you know, just the more games under his belt, the more, you know, the better he'll be. The schedule's been really wonky and, you know, he, he just hasn't had a chance to find his skates under him. I mean, do you, do you buy that or do you think that, or do you think that's an excuse? Well, how, how many more games does he need? Cause he's had four out of five. That's, you know, three of them were in a row. Um, uh, to me, if, if people use that, and I think present company is in, included in that, we, I think we've all probably said, you know, after the first few games, oh, oh, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. Uh, and I believe it still, but um, how long are we going to continue to say that? I think the, the you'll see the severity of apologists kind of, you know, dwindle as each game goes on if he doesn't turn it around. Um, but... I mean, how long? How long do we have to wait? He's got to pick it up. I'm I'm done with this crap. Come on, step it up. (laughs) (laughs) I know he's an an avid listener of the five-minute major, so do be a personal guy. Snap it around and just stop the puck. We might not have a listener left if you alienate Doobie from our listenership. Well, his mom. I mean, come on. (laughs) Usually moms. So speaking of alienating people, uh, I was at the grocery <laughs> store this morning and I saw the milk cartons are out with Thomas Vanek and Charlie Coyle's faces on them. Um, <laughs> the old milk carton. Classic. So, so what happened to these guys? I mean, Coyle was, was really, I mean, he, he was doing so good the first two games of the season and the third, eh, Arizona was, eh, and, you know, against the Ducks, it was like, get the fuck off the ice, buddy. Uh, I mean, what's what's happening with these two guys, uh, Mace? Do you have do you have any thoughts on on Coyle, Vanek, Fontaine, in in general, or, or specifically, or anything like that? Uh, the the last you know couple games, I would I would say that he was playing a lot like uh, what we saw last year. Um, we all felt that the first couple games were great. He was playing with a different kind of compete, and and it was refreshing. But it seems like kind of. Maybe maybe we're learning that he's that kind of streaky player, um, like another person you already mentioned, uh, you know, Tom Spanik. Um, he looks, you know, he, it, it's enraging that um, what was it, the Colorado game where like he steps on the ice, you're like, oh, that's the first time I've even noticed 26, and then he, you know, scores immediately. Uh, it's enraging that he has that ability to uh, figuratively, but it sure, sure looks like it. He can just turn it on. And score an amazing goal that not a whole lot of other goal or, uh, goal scorers can score uh, in this league, but then he can coast the rest of the time and just kind of wait around for his opportunity. Um, I think it's just that playing style of his anyway, where, I mean, the coaches are even telling him, like, all right, you, you know, you drift in the areas you need to be to score goals so that we can get you the puck to do it. To me, you know, that's really a hard style for a fan to watch if it's not working out because then it looks like he's drifting and waiting and waiting, and then he doesn't get the puck, and then he looks pouty as he coasts his way back to the bench, and then we get scored on. Uh, really frustrating. Um, if 
I don't know. I don't know what, what there is. I, I don't think you can teach him any new tricks. Um, he's not going to change the way he plays. It's not like you're going to, you know, sit him in a room with uh, Parisi for 12 hours and Parisi is going to somehow rub off on him figuratively or, you know, literally. And then Vanek's going to come out of that room a, a different player. Maybe a different man, but probably not a different player. <laughs> Do we need to send him to the West Walls Institute for the installation of testicular fortitude? <laughs> Please, we have to we have to dust uh, dust that place off and we'll, get it running we'll again. Yeah. Turn the heat on. Um, he can he can meet, he can meet walls and in walls is a banana hammock and some stretches going on. Uh, doubles. One one thing that I you know I mentioned, Coyle was really good in the first couple of games and since then he's kind of disappeared a little bit. Um, Vanek as well. And and something occurred to me while Mason was talking. Um, yeah, I was kind of drifting off a little bit. Um, and one thing that occurred to me is that uh, the first game they were play. Coyle was playing wing with uh, Tyler Gray back. In the second game, they had Jordan Schrader on on the right wing. And in the last three games, Justin Fontaine has been on that line. Um, I, I don't I don't mean to throw Justin Fontaine under the bus, but uh, I'm going to do it. But here comes a greyhound, and uh, Justin, it's been nice knowing you. Um, do you think that Fontaine is the right kind of player, the right style of player, to be playing on a line with Thomas Vanek and Charlie Coyle? We know that he can move up and down the lineup. We know that he can play any role in this team. But do you think that Grayovac and or Schrader bring a different dynamic to that line that Fontaine can't bring? And do you think that Fontaine is better suited to be playing with, say, Carter and Halla or Carter and Porter or Halla and Porter? Um, I actually, I don't see Fontaine as a problem at all, and I'm actually waiting to, uh, waiting in the coming days to see Russo's article where Fontaine calls out, uh, calls out an entire group of wild centers and uh, says how much (laughs) and uh, why he's had to suddenly evolve into being a playmaker now. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I I don't see Fontaine as the weak link. Um, There's a a very interesting article up in Wild X today by our very own coach Aaron Lipinski and there's some really good gift videos on there, and one of them shows the uh, the goal. It kind of <clears throat> the purpose was to kind of show how Matt Dumba kind of let Corey Perry kind of circle all the way through the wild zone. But uh, another point of analysis on it is if you watch uh, if you watch Fontaine. Coyle and Vanek, if you watch those three back check on that play, that is enough to piss off the Pope right there. Uh, Vanek and Coyle, they come into view just across center ice, and they literally don't even take a stride the whole time. They're coasting the entire time. And Fontaine, as he hustles back down the left wing into the wild zone, he takes, he, he it's like he tried to cover three different guys. Uh, he first went to Perry, and then I think it was Lindholm that he went to, and then they finally threw the puck up to uh, Rackle, and he scores. But you got Fontaine trying to cover three guys, and it's kind of 
kind of like the old uh, quarterback saying goes, if you're trying to cover three guys, you ain't covering anybody. Um, uh-huh. So, it, they, you know, you, you got to – and it, what's really frustrating is if you watch that video, you know, all five of the wild defenders are back in the zone. But it's it's one thing to just back check and to be back there, but it's a completely different thing to back check with a purpose. And uh, none of the wild back checking forwards covered anybody and uh, took them out of play. So uh, to answer the question, I don't think I don't think Fontaine is the issue. Um, this is my own uh, inference, but I believe that based on quotes from Michael Russo over the last couple of years, I believe Charlie Coyle is extremely hard on himself and he's probably his own harshest critic. Um, And I think with Charlie, I think the key to his game is to get that confidence level up high enough where he avoids these highs and lows. And when he does go through a rough patch, that he has enough belief in his own ability to know that it's not going to last long and to kind of get back to the basics of his game to, to get him going at, uh, at a higher, at a consistently higher level of play. So do you, so I, I think, I think that's a great point. And it, it also sounded like you're saying that you think that Fontaine is the defensive conscience of that line. Is it, is it, am, am, am I talking out of my ass here? No, I, I agree. Um, that, in, and then maybe, I don't know, maybe that's the problem. Then it's, it's Coyle and Vanek who are, who are the one, you know, the ones with the offensive minds on, on that line. And maybe that's where the chemistry isn't clicking. Especially okay. if Fontaine is the one who's got to cover for the other two who are coasting back over the, the offensive blue line and, and red line. Now, I, I will say that one thing that I do appreciate is um, I think Coyle is better on the wing. Uh, I think using the size out there is is really the way to go. Um, and so I, I will say that I think that that is one area where that there's some opportunities, at least with the Wild, to um, to take advantage there. So uh, did we lose doubles? Double. I'm back. Oh, okay. All right. Miss, we were speaking of, missing, on you. speaking of missing persons, um, <laughs> <laughs> doubles. Do you, um, I, do you have any final thoughts? <laughs> do, do you want to do you want to chime in here and 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 share any share any any final missives for us? Um, no, it. I'm kind of kind of glad that this goofy stretch of games where they you know, while play over the weekend and then they're off until Thursday night. I'm kind of glad to be done with that for a while and uh, I'd like to see him settle in here. But uh, They're kind of on the JV schedule. Yeah, but uh, they, they've got to get two points. The schedule does get goofy again, but they've got to get two points uh, Saturday at home against Columbus. Um uh, They've got to have Sunday or uh, Saturday will be fun uh, against Winnipeg, which I believe is it Winnipeg on Saturday. It's Anaheim, and then Winnipeg for Sunday. Uh, okay, Duck Anaheim, Anaheim Saturday Duck at five five p.m. Central Time, 
and then they go to Winnipeg for the uh, Sunday 3 p.m. tilt. Ugh. So it's, uh, again, a goofy schedule where they play three games in four nights after being down for four days. But uh, time to get it back on track, and Doobie is on notice officially. I'll I'll bounce off that for a final thought, too. It's, you know, I think last year especially – Nick was all over this subject of of very few games in the first stretch of the the season and and how that was it could be an advantage to the wild if they were able to you know keep pace and then have games in hand and that's what's really frustrating about not being able to curb stomp l a and Anaheim that they were teams that were sore for a kick in and we couldn't kick them and now uh puts even more importance on you know giving coach Todd Richards his last coaching game in uh, as a Columbus coach, uh, even more so. I mean, if we, if after this entire stretch where we're back to a regular kind of schedule where you're playing, you know, uh, you know, three games one week, two or three the next week, if we're back to that schedule and we're starting it basically at zero, you know, we're already behind to me. I mean, we're, we're behind the teams that were able to make use of their early games. So, Really, really important game on Thursday. It's stupid to say it's sort of a must-win with it being our sixth game. But man, in the first uh, ten games, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I can't think of a, a more must-win uh, game uh, this early in the season. I, I agree with that, and and I really think that um, I really believe that if Doobie starts to struggle. And, and granted, uh, the way the the way the BJ's look right now, I, I think it'll be hard for Doobie to struggle against the BJ's. But uh, this fucking team, uh, you never know. Um, that I mean, God, I'll fucking mighty. It just this the, the way this team plays is the the Blue Jackets should not, in any rational sense, be an issue, and yet they will be. Um, they'll be an issue. We're going to have to face them, uh, and and. Like it or not, they're going to play us tough. Um, get, and, oh, and, and and if they play their their backup Curtis and the heck out of Haney, we're screwed. We know exactly. It's, it's, it's two <laughs> things going against us. Maybe three if you just count the Blue Jackets in general on how they seem to kind of play up to us. There's that one strike. Another strike being that they're zero and seven, and we can't make them zero and eight. And the other, the third one being we can't win against the backup goalie. So. Uh, if they put, no, if Todd Richards is smart, and we know he's not, he plays Curtis McElhaney and, and <laughs> just like, and then we're back on your watch. Or, no, I'm just kidding, but um, no, yeah. I, but yeah, but I, I do we're, think we're that I do think that the Wild need to treat this as a big game. They need to treat this as an important game. They need to come into this game like, all right, we've just been kicked in the nuts twice in a row. It's time to stand up and and kick someone else in the nuts for once. Um, watch some fucking and, video. <laughs> I mean, so it, they, they, in, in any rational sense, that's what should happen. Whether or not it will happen is obviously a bigger question. Um, and, and, and after that, I, I, like, I, like I was trying to say, if Doobie struggles, I really think that it's going to be incumbent upon Mike Yo to say, all right, uh, Dar- uh, Darcy, it's, it's your opportunity here. Uh, Doobie's, Doobie's having a, a, a shit fit. It's time for you to see if you can get in there and not shit the bed for us. 
and uh, we'll see what happens. And, and I really hope that that's what, I hope that that's the tack they take. I don't know if they will. I kind of, part of me really doubts that uh, Mike Yo will do that. If, you know, I, I really like Mike Yo, but in, in certain situations, I feel like the band's got no balls uh, to, to make important changes. And I'm afraid that he might, you know, this might be one of those times where he lets something let something go through. So I'm, I'm really hoping that, uh, that Mike Yo uh, uses an, a, a doobie slip up to, to throw Kemper in there and say, all right, buddy, it's, it's your turn to show us what you got. Um, and so that, that's my final thought for doubles for Mason. This is Mike Berg. Have a good evening. Thank you for listening. Call recording has been completed.